I'm not a commercial artist. I don't want to be a commercial artist. I don't want to sound like one, nor do I want to look like one. And interestingly enough, through my journey, I've been able to touch so many people and inspire so many people, especially not only let's take the LGBTQ equation out of everything. I'm going on 54 years old and I've got the number one independent country song in Canada this week. From NCPR, welcome to Northwards. People, ideas and conversations from and about northern New York, Vermont and beyond. I'm Mitch Tyke. Support for the Northwards podcast comes from the J.C. Steiniger and M.E. McDonald Charitable Fund at Adirondack Foundation in support of the Adirondack Foundation, building stronger Adirondack communities. All right. I hope you don't mind if I get heavy for a second. This is the holiday season, and I hope I and we all have the chance to make some nice memories this year and either honor some longstanding traditions or maybe make some new ones. But this is also the time of year when a lot of us think back on some time in our past. I'm not talking about the ghosts of Christmas's past, just that time that's frozen in our mind when our relatives or our friends were the people we thought them to be. Maybe your grandparents are there or your parents or maybe it's your kids at their ideal ages. Just those fleeting images you remember fondly or wistfully that you wish you could bottle up for a day when you need them. I might be wrong, but I feel like we all have those frozen-in-time images in our respective psyches. Certainly, I think our two guests on today's episode would agree. Drake Jensen is an independent country musician who lives in rural Quebec, north of Ottawa. Joe Grimshaw is a graphic artist who lives in Champlain, but he is not just a visual artist. He is an amateur songwriter, or was an amateur songwriter. That amateur status changed when Drake Jensen recorded a Christmas song Grimshaw wrote called Christmas in My Heart. The song has become something of a hit in Canada. We'll hear some of it in just a few minutes. But first, the story of how it came to be. Joe Grimshaw, Drake Jensen, so glad to meet both of you. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. It is nice to be here. Thanks very much for having us, Mitch. Yeah, thrilled to talk with uh, with both of you. Um, I want to start with a question for Joe Grimshaw because um, you have been working with Drake Jensen here for the better part of a decade, I guess, about seven or eight years. Um, but you've also worked with a really interesting variety of other musicians. How does a graphic designer in the little town of Champlain, New York, end up working not just with Drake Jensen, but also with Tiffany and Exposé and others? Well, there's a lot of luck involved, and that's that's uh, that's basically what did it for me. I had a friend um, who I met through a music magazine called Goldmine, which is produced around the country, and his name was Sean Winstein, and he was a music journalist. So he would interview celebrities who would come. He lived in Pennsylvania, in Orwigsburg, Pennsylvania, um, which is like a little tiny town, almost like Champlain. <laughs> but he um, he got to know people of no, like Stacey Q, Tiffany, Expose, when they would come through town doing gigs. And um, he got to know them well. And he was also on, not only was he a journalist, but he was also a songwriter. So he would write songs, do demos, and he would he would use me to do the artwork. Um, so one of the first things I did was uh, a cover for an artist named uh, Kim Esty, who was based in Toronto. When the artists that he worked with 
got to see what I did, you know, saw the quality of the artwork I did, they they would come back and use me again and again. So I was just, you know, I'm proud and humbled that I was able to do such, you know, work with such luminar- luminaries from a little town like Champlain. It was kind <laughs> of unheard of, but it was just one of those things that just worked out. Well, yeah. So let's bring Drake Jensen into this. And um, what connected you with Joe in the first place? A mutual friend on on a chat site. Of course, these days, you know, so much happens online. And, you know, I, I always tell independent musicians and they always ask, you know, how do I start? And I mean, networking is a huge thing. <laughs> always tell people what you're doing because you never know who you're talking to. So I've been, you know, talking to a friend of mine for years online. And it was Ron Weeks, I think, Joe, that connected us. And yeah. I think Ron knew Joe and knew me. Interestingly enough, my graphic designer had died a ways back and uh, I needed a new graphic designer and Joe, we started talking and we became like, I think we're really beyond business partners. I think we're really good friends now. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's how it happened. So, you know, I think it's really important that people are really put themselves out there and even use the online forum for as bad as it can be sometimes (laughs) uh, to network and you'll get like great connections like we did. Well, and of course, um, as an independent musician, you really have to be able to do everything. And so finding the right graphic designer is not something that you could just turn over to your record label. No. And, and I mean, and I have a very distinct vision about how I like things to look. I mean, from the very beginning, I've been like professionally doing this for like 20 years, I think now, um, over the course of the first 10 years were here and there because the funds were always tough to come by and recording was very expensive back when I first started, you know, a song would cost $1,200 back in 1995. So, you know, so that's an immense amount of money. So, you know, few and far between, but as technology got better and I recorded my first record, um, it it became a a lot easier, but I've always had a very distinct vision of how I should sound and how I should look. And I think, you know, between Joe and I, when we work together, we always come up with something that's, that's, you know, really palatable for me. And, and and as an independent, that's the one thing, like you say, uh, that you are the final kind of decision maker before the world gets to see it. So I think that's always been the great part of our relationship together, uh, Joe, was the fact that we work together so well. Yeah, I, I, I want to I wanna talk with both of you in a minute about the, the Christmas song that brings us all together here. But I am interested in that uh, kind of collaborative process uh, and the the importance of the design because I mean I'm old enough and I, I hazard to guess that both of you are old enough to to remember the days of flipping through LPs or cassettes or or later CDs in the record store and I mean I know I would occasionally buy one just because I liked the cover art and having really no idea what it sounded like. Um, how big a deal is graphic design today when we are now listening to so much of our music on Spotify or Apple or Bandcamp or or, or whatever? I think visual image is more important than ever because you're now with, you know, people being able to make music in their basements or their home studios, there's a lot more competition out there and people are just, they're fighting to get your attention. So you have to do something that kind of hits people over the head. And like, things I try to do is I, yeah, I don't try to be, I don't try to sensationalize what I do, but I do try to do the best I can with the image and make it as professional and as, eye-catching as possible. Yeah, and I think for me, I'm really happy that we had a great cover because Christmas in My Heart ended up next to Dolly Parton's Rockstar in Apple Music's 
uh, release radar. So I was kind of happy when I seen, oh, uh, oh, look, we're next to Dolly. Thank God we have a great cover for this one. No, but it just goes to show you, right? So everybody's looking at Dolly. So not necessarily everybody's looking at us, but always in popular and even in country music, I find a, a lot of country music, country musicians kind of a little boring, to be very honest. And, you know, they're wearing T-shirts and ripped up jeans and, you know, you've paid $300 to go see these people and the image is just not quite there. I, I've always kind of been very, very careful to craft a very interesting looking image. And that's, you know, I, and I'm older, so I, I'm even more aware of it because there's so much ageism. And I think having that, like that graphic that makes you buy, if you have something that makes you buy a record before you really know the music, then you got something special. And hopefully to God that the music is just as good as the cover. Well, and I will say, uh, you have a way better beard than Dolly. Well, you know, Dolly doesn't give me much beard competition. Um, but, you know, and I'm quite glad, but Dolly's got much better hair and <laughs> other body appendages than I have. So, I, you know, I, I got to give it to Dolly. You know, it was really nice to land next to her in Apple Music. A lot of people went, wow, you guys are like next to Dolly. I'm like, yeah, I'm like thrilled. Well, and you think about it, like when, you know, talking about like when you would go through the, the LPs in the record store or whatever, uh, the person that you would have been next to is whoever alphabetically came right after or before you. And yeah. now you're in a position where you really can end up next to Dolly because Apple decided it or, or Apple's algorithm decided it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's face it, ABBA always had the advantage. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This week, I don't know whether uh, that you know or not, but um, this week we have the number one independent country song in Canada with this song. Spectacular news. Uh, well, I mean, so yeah, let's we, let's talk about the evolution of the song because we've been talking about the the cover art this whole time, and and we haven't even talked about the the song itself. Um, uh, talk about how this evolved and how the how the collaboration, considering the two of you had only worked together when it came to uh, when it came to graphics before. How did uh, how did songwriting become part of the collaboration between the two of you? Yeah, I've been songwriting for the better part of thirty years. Most of what I've done is just basically for my own benefit as a hobby. It wasn't until I met Drake until I you know that I realized, hey maybe I could get one of these songs actually recorded, you know, maybe they could actually end up, you know, like a finished song. About three years ago, Drake mentioned something about doing another Christmas album or, or doing a song, actually. I went to work and came up with uh, a song probably about a week, week and a half later. And I showed it to Drake and Drake seemed to really like it. But, um, you know, that was the year of COVID. That was 2020. So everything kind of got pushed to the back burner and we didn't really end up recording it until this year. I, I had mentioned to Drake like late summer, early fall. It's like, what do you think? Do you, do you think we should put this out this year? And Drake was kind of like, yeah, let's go for it. And then I took it and, you know, I said to Joe, well, the way I am with songs is like, I, if somebody's written most of it themselves as a vocalist and an artist myself, there's always changes that are going to happen. Joe had written like basically 95% of what still is intact in that song. And I changed some lyrics to make a few things a little bit more relatable as far as the video went, too, because we produced a video for it um, and changed the melody a bit to suit my voice because I, you know, I just sing a certain way. So I 
changed a few things and, you know, inevitably got a bit of a co-write on it because of that. But, you know, today there's so many people involved in songs. I mean, if you look at one of Lady Antebellum's songs, I think it's called Champagne Nights. There was 13 <laughs> writers on that song. The song had a life in the studio. It took almost three and a half months to get it to its finality. Drake uh, Drake did really great production and uh, vocal talents were amazing. And that just drove the song further than I thought it would. I mean, when you listen to the demo, I have the demo, the original demo, which basically is instrumental. And then hearing what Drake did, I mean, it just put it over the top as far as I'm concerned. Talk, talk about the vision for this video. The video is this kind of interesting um, hybrid of nostalgia and kind of sepia tone looks into the past and um, over the top tongue in cheek, I reckon. Um, talk, talk about the vision for this video and how it affects what, uh, what you ended up doing with the song. So my brother-in-law is a technology guy and he said, I have footage from like 30 years ago. He said, and let's let's make a, a time capsule and let's show our family evolution. You know, and the bass player, even in the bass player in the video, he's like five years old in some of those clips. <laughs> and that that's my nephew. And so it really is this really strong nostalgia. We had a family get together the night we released it on YouTube and we all watched it together and everybody was crying because there was just... There was just so much memory in the whole thing. And the song itself, the way the song is, is written and the way that so Joe put so much into this. And I, I know like there's a lot of songwriters out there that work in Nashville and they all pack right. And, you know, they're just turning out commercial stuff all the time. But when a song like this comes along, that's so special, right? That, that creates this, as soon as you listen to it from the very first couple of lines, it pulls you in and, and it makes you go back. It suddenly becomes transformative for you. Looking out the window this December night Snow is softly falling from above The memories of the seasons pass flood through my mind Filling it with merriment and love I remember That's what's so special about this song. I think it's probably one of my favorite songs I've ever recorded. So to create like a really great visual for this, we we said, well, let's make it a little campy with the family stuff and the modern stuff. And we're all doing our la la la's and our hands are in the air and we're having fun. But then there's this really nostalgic thing that, you know, family is, is it, we're all aging, you know, and and we see our family through the years and it was really special for us. And I think what's so special for everybody else is they put themselves in the same situation every time they listen to it. And the reaction I've had, I've performed it live quite a bit, and everybody's having the same reaction. People are crying when they're listening to this, and it's really touching. So I think that's a, another aspect of, of creating you know, something that's meaningful is giving it a great visual that people can connect to. 
I'm really I'm really struck by how many people identify with the meaning of the song. The song basically alludes to Christmas time, you know, Christmas is past and how magical it was when we were younger and your parents and your grandparents were still here. And, you know, as we get older, we we lose grandparents, we lose parents, we lose family members. And it makes it a little more um, special to remember those times, you know, because we're, you know, it's times we'll never get back. And again, that's what, that is the evolution of a really great song and a really great songwriter, uh, kudos to Joe, is being able to create a neutrality in your writing so that other people can connect to it. I think there's a lot of artists out there, and don't get me wrong, I love many artists, but some artists love to, you know, just write about all their boyfriend breakups and things like this. And, you know, it becomes like their thing. And everybody's waiting for them to break up with their next boyfriend so you can hear what their relationship was like and hopefully maybe be able to relate to it. But when you when you open up something and you make it so, like I said, neutral, so people can really, really dig into it emotionally, I think that's when you get something really, really special. And, you know, as an independent artist, it's it's done really, really well. So it just goes to show you that when you can connect the most, people are looking to connect because we are so disconnected these days. People are looking to connect to something emotionally. I think Joe captured uh, something very special in, in, in this song. In the hope that we will never be apart, but forever true, it's Christmas in my heart. How do you weigh your life or your work as an LGBTQ plus country artist with just thinking of yourself as a country artist? It's always been a struggle. I remember when I first record when I recorded the first record, we went to Nashville, you know, and this is back in 2011 when things weren't as progressive as they are today. And for as much as we've progressed, we've regressed lately. Um, so I use the, the term progression very loosely. Um, I knew I had to be true to myself. I am a very honorable person. That's one thing about me. I may not always be right, but I I always like to do the right thing. And I wanted to be representative to who I was and all the people that don't have the voice I have. And when I say the voice, I don't mean my physical voice. I mean the voice that I would be able to be as a public figure. And I made a choice back then to, 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 to show the world who I was in my personal life and in my professional life. And it, it certainly changed the trajectory of how my career has unfolded. I'm not a commercial artist. I don't want to be a commercial artist. I don't want to sound like one, nor do I want to look like one. I think that there's enough of cookie cutter in the music industry, and I'm certainly unique. Um, and interestingly enough, through my journey, I've been able to touch so many people and um, inspire so many people, especially not only let's take the LGBTQ equation out of everything. I'm going on 54 years old and I've got the number one independent country song in Canada this week, which says a lot. So I don't take this stuff lightly. <laughs> I think what's happened is in the beginning, I kind of went, oh, God, what did I do? Because everything changed. A lot of radio stations stopped playing my music. 
uh, Music Row magazine in Nashville wouldn't give me any more reviews after I came out. So I went from being the Discovery Award of the Month in Music Row magazine with my new record to disappearing completely. But again, I wouldn't trade what I did, I don't think, because I've been able to create somewhat of a legacy for myself that will probably live on and inspire other people for generations to come. It sounds like without the without the the LGBTQ plus part of the equation, there is no equation. No. Well, that's the thing. There's there never has been, and I've never really formulated anything. It's always just been pure art. Oh. Like everything I've done has been every song I've sang or has always been in the moment about something about in the moment. And whether I've written it or somebody else has written it, I don't really care. Um, a great song is a great <laughs> song, but I've chosen things based on what I thought would touch people. I've created imagery and Joe and I have created imagery and, and graphic design together that, that has really reached people. So I guess I had one more question for you. And uh, do you, it's a, it's a strange question because, you know, we're having no this. Such thing. All right. It out. <laughs> All right. So we're having this question. It's the 12th of December and you've got yeah. the number one uh, independent country song in Canada at the moment. And yeah. yet in 18 or 19 days, the market for Christmas songs kind of goes away. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? You know, I, I recorded a couple of Christmas songs and another one that was really kind of touching was a song called uh, Live Every Day that was written by a gentleman by the name of Don Graham in Toronto. And he wrote it and he sent it to me. And interestingly enough, you know, my husband is a professional Santa Claus. <laughs> and so yeah he's been in hallmark movies and, and um he he is a mall santa so he's in one of the biggest malls here in in ottawa on the ottawa side and his he has taken the song and used the song title live every day like it was christmas day that is on all of his business media and things like that christmas songs live with us for a very long time and even though in 19 days things might shut down we need not forget that a 78-year-old woman who recorded a song when she was 13 years old called Rocking Around the Christmas Tree is living with us today at number one on the Billboard chart. I love Brenda Lee. And I'm so happy to see three women that are in their 70s at the top of the Billboard chart. We have three icons, Brenda Lee, Cher, and Dolly, all living in the top 10 in their 70s. You are never too old, and no Christmas song ever gets too old. One thing that gives me hope is the fact that Christmas songs, you know, a, a regular song of Drake's might make an impact and then fade off into relative obscurity. You know, it might be considered an oldie after five or six years. Christmas songs kind of, you know, get rediscovered year after year after year. And hopefully my hope is that as many people love and like what I've done on this, in this version and what Drake has done, um, that more people every year will rediscover the song. You know, all jokes aside, I think Christmas songs are one of those things when they have meaning. And they again, we're back to that emotional connection because we are so all disconnected emotionally these days, I think, because of online. There's, a, there's this, the nowhere zone where people aren't really connecting anymore but when you write something that connects really well like 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 joe did and, and you know we've embellished it really well production wise i think um those things live for a very very long time yeah, absolutely 
well, Drake Jensen and uh, Joe Grimshaw, thank you so much. I, I really do appreciate it. It's been great getting to know you. You too, Mitch. This has been really great, and hopefully we'll do this again. And Merry Christmas. Well, thank you, and Merry Christmas to you and yours. Drake Jensen is an independent country musician originally from Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. He now lives in the Gatineau area, north of Ottawa. His song, Christmas in My Heart, was written by Joe Grimshaw, a graphic designer who lives in Champlain, New York. You can find a link to the video of their song at ncpr.org northwards. I'm Mitch Tyke. Northwards is taking a couple of weeks off to recharge over the holidays, but you can always get your fix by visiting the archives at ncpr.org slash northwards. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and to Ethan Shanty, who reminds us all of the folks who have worked hard to bring you this podcast throughout 2023. Northwards is an NCPR podcast production. The show is written, edited, and produced by Mitch Tyke with digital production supervision by me, Ethan Shanty. Caitlin Kelly handles our social media, Bill Hanel is our digital director, and Doyle Dean is our production manager. Music is by the Wickmore Jazz Trio of Plattsburgh. To support this show and find more podcasts, visit ncpr.org. This is NCPR, North Country Public Radio.